Hey there. Why, mate? <laughs> Why are you bothering me? Sorry. No, he made me do it. Right. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. And... Sunny it was. Marina and... Jordan, where are you right now? Still in Santa Cruz? Uh, we're on our way out. We're Actually, I think we're going to go back to Halsey. Somewhere near Santa Cruz. Hey, everyone. Yeah. This is Liza. And, uh, oh, we got some good topics for you tonight. But first, let's get to all the misfits who are here. Let's start with everybody's favorite exotic. Though, you guys, I had a special moment. I had Henry, John Dalton, and knock all together with me i'm like all my wow. favorite exotics it's knock the, the trifecta of soy sauce as i, like I just looked at like look at all look at all these beautiful men <laughs> and knock i'll take that i don't hear it very frequently but i'll take oh fuck, fuck you man i'm kidding <laughs> no that's true though all right coming to us uh from his garage it's bagel Please pass the ponzu. <laughs> I never understand half the things you say. <laughs> That's okay. I don't either. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Oh, sporting his too cool CC trucker cap. It's Naked Jim. <laughs> oh, you're still muted. There you go. What's up? No, I'm not. I was just going to see if you'd say that. Um, what's up? Peace, love, and soul. Yeah. And I'm, I'm at my shop tonight. I'm in my... Uh, New adult room. <laughs> you mean the office? I do a cool motorcycle. The adult room. That could be any. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll go with well, that. Well, the magic Jim. happens, Joe. Yeah. We'll go with that. We'll get adult later. Let me get a little boozy. <clears throat> All right. And of course, uh, with her, uh, what are they, Kachina dolls behind you? It's yes. Miss Emma. Right. <laughs> Hello, darlings. Hey. I, I also am surrounded by three exotics. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, Emma, now I can counter your exotics with a oh, oh a Scotsman. What? Oh. Everyone's got their dolls out. What is up with that? Oh, uh, let's blow them up. Let's blow them up. And then our special guest to the garage uh, today, uh, joining us from the truck, it's Jordan and Chris. How y'all doing? Hey. hey yeah you guys good. thanks for having us today yeah you guys got to um, come hang out at the garage and i, I hope you had dogs too. i hope you had a fun time today definitely we definitely did yeah i i caused a little bit of trouble i, I tried <laughs> I, I rubbed chris into it too <laughs> we had a good time <laughs> i was great but let's um let's talk about what is new, what's going on in the garage. Uh, we had a lot of stuff going on today. Emma, you were had your hands full helping everyone. Yes. Um, gosh, I've, we always do a great deal in the garage. So it, it it's hard to remember exactly what we did, but we resurrected a Buell Blast, mm -hmm. which is great i mean it's like riding around on a big thumping bass drum my favorite part of that is the fact that bagel rode up on it uh, you indeed know, i did 
I have never seen Bagel on a motorbike. <laughs> I have I that. That was the second time. That was the second time. Yeah, and then um, we did crank seals in a vintage Kawasaki two-stroke and rear wheel bearings in a WR 450cc. Nice. And yeah, bunch of bunch of stuff. You know, you can always tell that it's Bagel when he's on a motorcycle because he brings his feet up, puts his feet on the engine and, and puts his knees together because that's how he's used to riding. <laughs> yes. It looks very weird. So, so Bagel, how was it like riding that motorbike, man? It's like, it's, I know it's not your first time riding a motorbike, right? Or is it? Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, I've ridden motorcycles before, you know, occasionally, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's, it is awkward. Um, I, I kept, you know, looking for the, the, the twist grip to shift. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, um, Bagel reminded myself to use my left foot, but but it worked out all right. Yeah. I think oh, you no. feel you're cheating on your scooters by riding a motorbike, Bagel. No, no, no. There's there's your plenty scooters of love are judging to go you. around. <laughs> no, there's there's plenty of love to go around to all bikes. And but um, but the the blast was actually a lot of fun. It I, uh, it's it's got a, a nice kit for a 500 single, and you know it and it's loud as hell. So and I'm not used to having a loud bike, so I was having fun like waking up the town today. Did you pick up any chicks? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> did anybody wave? <laughs> anybody, did you get to wave to anybody? Ah! Yeah, do, I did actually. Do Harley do Harley riders do, do Harley riders wave at Bules? I don't know. I, they haven't yet. So I've, I've just got this wonderful vision of of Bagel riding around on a frigging Bule picking up chicks. <laughs> hey, baby, you want to ride? This is like a Seinfeld episode. Check out my oh, hog. <laughs> No, and I have to say, you pulled up on that thing, and I was like, those are the ugliest bikes ever, and not knowing that the new owner of the bike was standing behind you, and I was like, oh, sorry. You were quite vocal about that, darling. You just blurted it out. So here's the deal. I do think that they are quite bland in styling. But as I had the opportunity to sit there and kind of really stare at it, I started to appreciate some of the weird things about it. That crazy large rear pulley yeah. and drive. the way that those foot pegs mounts come out like giant stirrups from the frame. Yep. Um, yep. I started to get a little more appreciation for it that it's weird. Because I do appreciate mm-hmm. the weird bikes. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is weird. Like it's very odd. Well, and yeah. that it's half of a sportster is kind of weird, too. What year was it? They didn't really make many changes to those things, did they? No, they didn't make any. Yeah, this, this one's a 2002. Okay. Which is absolutely, that has got to be one of the last off the line. Because, so uh, no, I think they made them at least 2004, though, didn't they? Oh, I, no, I think I think officially they did, but I want to say it was 2003 that they did that disastrous coffee table mm-hmm. campaign. Oh. <laughs> and that was pretty much the end. But I will say, and I was having a conversation with them about this, <clears throat> I did come around a bit in that as I was looking at it, it's like 2002, are you sure it's not like a 82? Like, 
<laughs> One of the things um, I, I avoid now, and I recommend people avoid our bikes of the late 80s into the, the 90s, because you started getting all this technology. It might have been in the suspension. It might have been in the fuel injection. It might have been. And that technology is at the age now where it's going to start going to crap. Right. So in general, like when we say like avoid BMWs of that age. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this bike. That's a 2002. But it has the it's it's all everything is mechanical. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. all those bells and whistles and technology. This is a bike that I think almost anyone can maintain and be a mechanic on. And I think because of Buell's history, it's a future collectible. Yeah, and I, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, the bike is very mechanical, but I will say that one of the technological components on the bike did fail, and I had to replace it, ah. and that was the engine speed sensor. Okay. I took it out, and speed mm. was dead, and uh, read online that that was the most likely culprit. Got a new one, popped it in, works good, works like, works like normal now. So I did kind of come around on that, right, Emma? I was like becoming yeah. more and more uh, fond of it as an interesting collectible bike that I think almost anyone can maintain but still ride often. You know, I mean, I'm really the wrong person to argue that point with because, as you're well aware, I love everything with two wheels. Yeah. Um, some bikes have got more attributes than others. Some bikes have got more inherent problems with others. Um, but, you know, every single motorbike is special in its own way. You know, cars aren't special. Cars, you know, they're really appliances. And some cars are special. Um, You know, arguably anything that was made in Italy is special. You know, Jags are special. Stuff like this. But all motorbikes, no matter how, uh, how humble they are, are interesting and special. So... Um, it was an easy sell for me. I think it's great. It was an absolute blast to ride. Hence the name. So when, I'm curious, Emma, when do you start running out like to find parts? Like when does that, I mean, that's kind of the obvious question, but when is a collectible? Yeah, bike? I mean, I think there's, there, there's sufficient enthusiasts for it that there are going to be parts available. Inevitably, and it's, it's the same rule <clears throat> with Buells, with vintage Japanese bikes, with vintage European bikes, generally mechanically, you're okay. What, when you start smashing up the bodywork, now you're going to have your work cut out. And unfortunately, like a lot of bikes from that era, it's got a plastic fuel tank, which is great because they don't corrode, but they swell. And I'm sure sooner or later, it's going to swell up and plug something or other. It's not going to fit anymore. And then you need to make some tough decisions. But um, for now, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I remember it was absolutely <clears throat> panned at the time. Yeah. But, you know, when you look back at a lot of things historically, some bikes that were really, really hailed as being great back then actually aren't that great right now. And conversely, you know, some bikes that people said are absolutely frigging terrible back then you revisit them and they're actually quite charming in their own way and i think i think the blast is that bike it was it was really quite charming to ride 
I had good fun on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've been enjoying it. And and like you said, uh, parts are readily available for it. Um, in fact, uh, St. Paul Harley-Davidson uh, has a mail order business, and I got everything that I needed from them. And uh, yeah, it's... How uh, were the prices? Um, they weren't too bad. Um, you know, it was pretty reasonable, I would well, say. Well, how much was that speed sensor? You know, a, uh, that was about 60 bucks. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, a Suzuki speed sensor sensors, you know, chump change under 100. So, yeah, yeah, I'd say good American prices. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But that wasn't the only uh, new bike at the garage. No. You yeah, done yeah. did it again, didn't you? I done did it again. <laughs> yeah. Ah! <clears throat> I blame I blame Jim. Uh, cause he's How the one. He's fault. Look, it all happened so fast. Jim says you don't like Ta-da. that bike. You should sell it. <laughs> then, then somehow Mike goes, "Oh, I hear you're selling your bike. I have someone interested." Then I get a phone call from his friend saying, "Hey, I'm interested in your bike. Can I come down right now and look at it?" I'm like, "Whoa!" Wait, wait, wait. wait. So, which bike did you sell? The CRF 250. Okay, the right. Okay, you, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you were pinched. You were upset with me the next day. You're like, you were pissed. You're like, you didn't sell that bike. I didn't really want to. I, I sold you that bike, Liza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got your commission, didn't you? No. Right, exactly. So, you um, one of your children for adoption. So, it just all happened that um, one of Mike's friends wants to get in a dirt bike, and he, ha- and he had the money. And that's a good bike for somebody who wants to get into dirt biking, and he's a smaller guy. So um, I figure, you know what? Great. He'll be able to – I only put 500 miles on it. Um, It just – it. You never enjoyed, I never saw you, the, the closest you got was when you would go into that weird adrenaline trance. Yeah. Well, your eyes were like thousand yards there. I was talking to, Nock, I was talking to you about it, right? Like, it really needed to have suspension set up, that bars, uh, the bars weren't high enough for me, and I would have had to have put, not just risers, but extend some of the cables. If I had invested more money into it and gotten it set up, I, I probably could have made it great for me but it, yeah i still think you it wasn't right looking for power though so i decided to get another bike and i was talking about it last week i was kind of narrowing down what kind of bike and found one locally so i came home with another ktm and this one is a 690 enduro um but i wanted to take a minute to talk about um buying buying used bikes we've been through this before but it never changes there's always there's always new stuff and um i negotiated the price down a bit and i i was channeling emma when i did it but here's <laughs> and here's the thing <clears throat> here's the thing um the bike was not as stated in the ad Mm. But I 100 percent believe that the guy who listed it believed everything he had on there, and this is the point: you're not always being deceived, but the information is not always right. So, um, a couple of things with this: um, it said in the ad that it was immaculately maintained. <laughs> There's a well, difference. That was a lie. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between an immaculately clean bike and maintained bike. And what I mean is 
I don't believe that the owner of this bike had any mechanical skills. And whenever there was an issue, he just took it into the shop and let them fix stuff. Well, I, I think I think what his idea of immaculately, immaculately maintained was it's immaculate because he never laid a finger on it. Yeah. Well, no, he did. And that <clears throat> that I will bring up. Um, so by immaculately maintained, it was incorrect. I think he did all the service and did things as he needed. But he didn't know how to check his bike. So a couple of things I found. The chain and sprockets are shot. When I went to look at the bike, the chain was so slack. It had like four inches of play, right? Um, were, you, hey, were you able to adjust it at all or were they just totally buggered? Well, I adjusted it out, but you can pull the chain off the back of the sprocket quite, uh, quite a good distance, which is a sign that yeah. there's too much play and the rollers are all worn out. And Do you know if it was the uh, stock uh, sprocket size? I don't know. Okay. But that's a sign, something that he, he just didn't check. And also the rear brake was not functioning. And he said, mm -hmm. when I said, what would be the next thing you think needs to be done? So this is something I always ask whenever I'm looking at a bike. I ask them, what do you think is the next thing that needs to be done? And this is how you get the more information out of them. And he said, ah, oh, the brake doesn't work that great. I think it just needs to be bled or something. Right? So right away, I knew that this bike was not, at, you know, as stated. So I knew that going in like, mm, who knows what else I'm going to find. Little stuff. But the rear brake, when I got home, it was stiff. Like, You'd push it down, and it would stay down. It had not been used. So the master cylinder was just kind of like frozen up. Um, so I flushed it out and got everything moving, and that was great. But then even when I got it all loose and moving, it only has like – Emma, you tried it. I said it only has like 20% oh, breaking, right? Yeah, there's nothing. And the, and the big problem with it is there's components that are worn. And right. <clears throat> So you know, the rotary itself is toast. So this is a case where there were new brake pads put on, but not a rotor. And the rotor is worn. I mean, like there's a, a really pronounced uh, edge to it between the worn and unworn spot. And when you put uh, new brake pads onto an old worn rotor, you're only getting the hills, not the valleys, making contact. So it really only has about 20% right now. Would you like to know how to actually check a rotor properly? Uh, besides a multimeter? No, yes, you need a multimeter and glue. <laughs> no, um, in order to check a rotor, so here's a misfit oh, how many miles top tip. 20. <clears throat> here's a misfit top tip Ooh, to top check tip. a rotor. All right, paying attention. You need a ruler. And, you know, either a wooden roller, mm -hmm. but best off is a metal roller. And what you do is you lay the metal ruler on the rotor, you know, so it's heading out towards the tire like it's the spoke on a yeah. wheel. Mm -hmm. And make sure it's sitting flush on the rotor mm -hmm. itself, preferably on the part where the bolts go on. And then if you shine a flashlight underneath it, oh, you can see right. all the material that's been lost. Yeah. And all you do is you double that because it's the same on the other side. And your rear rotor is probably half the width, half yeah. the width that it used to be. Um, so it needs a new rotor and it needs shining sprockets, but I rode it. I mean, it's a good bike. Right, but the point is he believed 
it was yes. very well maintained because he doesn't know how to check those little things. Right. And so um, I wanted to use that as a point that it's not just that people lie. People don't know. Some other things that were left out of the description. So he said he put a, um, Undertale, you know, a Fender Eliminator and, and LED light kit on, which is cool. But he used a Sawzall to cut off all the mounts for the Undertale for the turn signal and the, the old um, uh, taillight. And it's I, a hatchet job. Worse. It's a hatchet job. So that's like, ooh. Everything else is good on the bike. No, no big problems. Point being, he didn't mention, you know, like he just completely screwed the pooch on that. Also, it was an out-of-state title. That's another thing that you should list uh, full disclosure. He brought the bike from out of state. There are some restrictions when bringing right. a bike in. This one didn't meet any of those restrictions here in California. I was okay. But if it has low mileage, you can't bring it in. Was it 7,000 miles? What's the cutoff? 7,500 miles. Yeah. But, you know, I'm with you because people's skill levels and people's um, – cognitive notion of what their bike is varies tremendously and not everybody can be an expert right. but i think he was being genuinely a little bit out of order with that title and i will tell you why mm -hmm. number one he didn't mention it right and the second thing you've got to think about the bike anytime a license plate goes on a full off-road bike it's hokey, right. especially in California. And I believe that he was frightened to start the process, which mm. is why he didn't do it. Maybe. Because <clears throat> what you can do is you can sell the bike and say, oh, I've done everything I need to do. Here's the out-of-state title. Here's the notarized blah, 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 blah. And But if you start the process and they say, Heck no, you can't register that bike here. Now you're really up shit creek. Right. So, And I think that's why he started the process, didn't follow it through. And that's why I think he was being a little bit, I'm not going to say deceptive, but he was being economical with the truth. And that I don't really agree with. I'm not sure I agree. He just moved here uh, from out of state and he doesn't have a garage or carport in his new apartment. Yeah. But how long did it take you to do it? Uh, the DMV? Yeah. Um, minutes once I got up to the counter. <laughs> so therefore he should have done it and put a thousand dollars on the value of his bike. Yeah. Yeah. See he could, he could have changed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that can be, an ordeal. Oh, I forgot to mention the other thing. The It came with no uh, license plate or a license plate mount because mm. he had cut it off. But he said, oh, I think you just go to the hardware store and get some of those like corner braces, angle iron, and you can mount it up. And I'm like, dude. I was over to Santa Clara Cycle talking to the guys over there and, and uh, about you, know, you getting the new bike. And I said, in some ways, Liza... Did everything she always tells people not to do. <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the ad was bullshit. Guy didn't really know what he was talking about. 
janky title and you didn't even have a license plate or a place to mount it on <laughs> I know. that you brought home. But, you know, I, I, you know I, I've done a couple of bikes with janky titles and you can get a deal that way. Usually, and, and you lucked out because the DMV was easy. Usually you just, you pay the price in time. You, you save a thousand bucks, but it's like two trips to the DMV or a hassle or whatever. But you, you scored. I think, I think it worked out really great. And that's exactly the point here, because I did that inspection. I realized pretty quickly he didn't really know. So I used that as part of my negotiating. And even though the bike was listed at a very good price, and I acknowledged, I said, hey, I don't want to screw you over. You've listed this as a very good price. It was about 500 to a grand less than similar bikes. Um, but I pointed out all these things and I said, so I'm going to offer you less. And uh, he came back with a counter offer and then I stuck with it. I said, I'm going to stick with my number. Um, and, he, you know, and he did the thing where he said, hey, I've got other people who called who are interested in the bike. And Bye. I said, that's great. But here's what's going to happen. Most people are not going to go through all the trouble to get this plated. At the time, when I checked in with the DMV, um, you have to go to the DMV with out-of-state title. You can't do it through any of the services here. And when you check the website for the DMV or you call the phone number, it says you must have an appointment to come to the DMV. However, we are not issuing any appointments this month. Try back next month. So I actually used that. I said, dude, you get someone to buy this bike and they run into this issue with getting it titled. They're just going to ride it dirty and that's going to be on your name. I'm somebody who, uh, you know, I can't get away with that. I'm not, I'm not going to screw you over. Um, I'm somebody who people know in the community. I can't do that. So I'm going to have to deal with the DMV and get this done. And that was it. So I used all of those things as negotiating. Well done, Grasshopper. And You've uh, well. Yeah, so got the price down. I Again, I didn't screw them over like Emma would. That's not true, but I am a tough negotiator. You are a very tough negotiator. I'm, you know, I'm the kindest person in the world, but here's a few pointers. When a, when a bike is used and somebody's advertising it for a price, that is the price that they think that bike's worth. Now, you're going to mm -hmm. say, well, what about the Kelly Blue Book? What about the Nada Value? What about this, this, this? All these are guides, and it says so right on the cover. It is a guide. There is so many factors involved in buying a used bike it's like saying, um, this is how a 30-year-old person should behave. Well, there's a guide as to what 30-year-old people behave like, but we all know there's a huge difference. And so it is with bikes. So what you're going to look at is a bike where the owners pitch the value of it. And because he owns the bike, he's going to pitch that high. So what you need to do, is you need to figure out before you even leave basically where you want to be with that bike. Yeah. Can you go up a little? Yeah, maybe you've got some leeway there. Can you go down a little? Yeah, you've got some leeway there. So you've got an idea, and I guarantee it's going to be a different figure to his. 
Yeah, and for me, I got it at a price that I felt was fair enough for me to deal with all these things. Right, and And the truth is, and that's the important thing, as tough a negotiator as I am, and, and a lot of misfits have been with me when I've been bartering for bikes, and they're like, what the hell? But I would never want to begin a relationship with a bike with a previous owner thinking I'd rip them off. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. You and- don't want to start a relationship with a bike. And I, I will say that openly. When I go and look at a bike, they see a harmless-looking little old lady, and I say, guy, look, I'm a tough negotiator, and you need to know that before we start. Oh, yeah, sure you are. And then you see the color drain out of their face when I'm done with them. But that's always the caveat for me. I don't want you to, you know, do you feel that I ripped you off with this spike or do you feel that I negotiated for the best deal? And if they say, no, you're ripping me off, I'll walk away. Because I don't want to start my relationship with that with my bike like that. And I think with your KTM, Liza, you got it for a great price that you can rectify all the faults mm-hmm. with it. You can put a rear rotor on it. You can put a chain and sprocket on it. You can dick around with a DMV and still come in under six grand, which is where everybody else is. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> you did I, good. Yeah, I'm happy with it. But I just use that as an example. Not everyone is honest. Not everyone is out to screw you. Sometimes they just don't know. In fact, oftentimes they don't know. So I want to bring up another one. This is a deal that... Um, one of our friends of the garage, Tom, reached out to me last night. Oh, about, is this Tom Lapham? Uh, no, another Tom. no, another Tom. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, you guys who can see. RZ350. So it's an RZ350 two stroke. These things are with a Kenny Roberts signature on it. Jocelyn Snow has one of these in her office. Right, really, really. And a cartoon of Kenny Roberts on the front fender, I believe. These are really cool bikes. These are on a lot of collectors' lists, and this one was posted locally, um, asking seven thousand dollars. Oh yeah, Jim, nice, uh, seven thousand dollars. And I'll be honest, I haven't researched it. I don't know what the going rate is on one of these. Oh, that is all the money for an RZ. Okay, but um, so he was asking me, what do you think about this? Is it a good deal? Um, There's some flags in this. I'm going to read this description. Uh, You guys ding in if you think that there's something you want to comment on or is a flag for you. Okay, so Yamaha 1984 Yamaha RZ350 looking to trade for an adventure bike or get 7000 cash. Right. Here's a description. Bike has the conversion to R6 forks, wheel, brakes, and FZR swing arm wheel brakes. Bike is in good condition and has Tumi expansion chambers. It pulls hard when it hits the power band. I got the bike several months ago as a project bike and just got it back together a few weeks ago. So I've only put 50 miles on it. It is an absolute blast to ride, but my days days of screaming around on a two-stroke are in the distant past. Oil pump is configured, so no need to pre-mix oil. 
There are a few things that should be done that I haven't gotten around to, like adding mirrors and putting on front turn signals. The tack works, but is slow to respond and still need to configure a sensor for the speedometer. Also has a brand new chain and a clean California title. So did any of you get the flags in that description? Well, I mean, it depends what you're looking for. I'll tell you where I'm at with that bike. Yeah. First off, it will be an absolute blast to ride because you've got a stout 65 horsepower, 350cc two-stroke twin mm -hmm. with braking and handling. So it's going to be an absolute blast to ride. However, the money he is asking would be for a bone stock mm -hmm. collector quality RZ. And it ain't. Um, I don't know what to make of it. It's, it. it's obviously a lovely bike. It needs to be half the amount. So that's a good point. And so the first flag for me was the conversion R6 forks, wheels, brakes, and FCR swing arm wheels and brakes. So you've now taken off the stock parts. You've made it worth less. You've made it a better riding bike, but less value. Does he, uh, does he have the original parts somewhere stashed away? Does it come with the original parts? Does not mention. Which means mm. he doesn't. Now, I've got another thing. If you're going to upgrade a bike, at least do some concession to what it was. Mm -hmm. So if we look at that RZ350, you <clears throat> can see an RZ350 with white wheels. Now, if I built that bike, I'm not saying I'm any better than anybody else, but I'd paint the wheels black and highlight the edges with a polish. So at least you're tipping your hat to the OEM style wheel. Even though they're 17 inch and you've got radials, at least you're kind of looking a bit more like you're being respectful towards the original bike. That just looks like an old bike with modern wheels and forks. Maybe that's what the guy wanted. You know, at least I try and incorporate some of the original design features. Because make no mistake, the RZ350 is an extremely stylish bike. It's everything Yamaha knew about designing bikes in the mid-'80s. It's a beautiful bike, very well-proportioned. So did you guys catch the other red flag in this ad? Nope. So for me, it was, there's just a few things left I haven't gotten around to. That to me is a flag. Mm -hmm. Why haven't you gotten around to it before you put it up for sale? Is it, you know, it's just simple little things like I just need to put on a sensor for the speedometer and the tachometer is a little slow to respond. Well, Emma, what would cause these uh, problems and how easy is the fix? Well, strictly speaking, see, I've got a couple of suspicions here. Mm -hmm. um, the RZ350 had a weak ECU, and it shares the same ECU as a Banshee, which is a quad. And it's getting harder and harder to find ECUs for 
RZ 350s. Mm-hmm. So people are putting Banshee ones on. Conversely, people are putting Banshee uh, RZ ECUs on Banshees. There's all this cross-pollination going around. The worst-case scenario is this thing's got an ECU from a Banshee, and it'll make the taco read wrong because it's an electronic uh. taco on it. <clears throat> The best case scenario is even though it's electronic, there's still mechanical parts in it. It's an analog gauge with electronic guts, like um, you know, like a, a clock with a battery. Mm-hmm. It's still analog. It's still got hands, and so it can get a bit gummed up. I mean, after all, it's mid '80s. You know, you're talking about something that's 35 years old. So either way, you need to go in there and figure out what's going on. The harder one is the speedo. Because originally, the bike had a speedometer drive on the front wheel, which drove a cable because the speedometer's mechanical. Now, obviously, he's put an R6 front end on it, and there's no real provision on an R6 to drive that speedo. So that's going to require a little bit of fabrication and possibly changing the instrument pack, which you don't want to do on an RZ because it's it's part of the experience. of a, If you've ever seen the instrument pack on an RZ, it's like in a fighter plane, you know, because you're perched on right. the thing and you're in a cockpit because it's got that little bikini on it. And, you know, the, the instruments have got like gun sights on them. They really went for like the fighter plane look on ah, the dashboard. So, cool. so it's something you really want to keep. But you want it all to be working. Right. <clears throat> you know? Um, so that might, it's less than five minutes. And even something as benign as the mirrors. Right. I'd put money, he's got an R6 master cylinder on it, mm-hmm. which has got no provision for a mirror. Right. So now what you're going to do, you're going to put some kind of hokey MGO thing that clamps around the handlebar. You know? And then you can't use the OEM mirrors because the Yamaha one is left-hand thread on the right. So, you know, it's all kind of odd, adding up to something that could give you, yeah, there you go. Look at that cockpit. Ah, that's cool. It really does look like a fighter jet cockpit. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, you want to keep that, Jim, right? You want to keep that look. You don't want some kind of hokey electronic stuff sticking out there. Oh, it's good. It's a big, you huge know, right in front of you. Yeah, just, that's yeah, really that's what you want. Big, huge tack. And, yeah. and all these things can be overcome, but you're asking all the money first. You know, if, if, if I went to look at that bike, especially if I went to look at it with a friend, I'd say, well, that's fine. Sort out all these things and then we'll talk. Or let's get realistic with the price. So what would you put your um, value on it? You said about half, right? I'd piss in the airbox and tell him it's got a rodent problem. I'll give you 300 bucks for it. Um, God, I don't know. I mean, <coughs> potentially it's got a lot of it's – a, it's a lot of fun. I'd need to see the bike. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Between four and five. Perfect. So – I think that's where I'd uh, – that's where I'd be comfortable, and that's giving me plenty of meat on the bone to fabricate a speedo gearbox, to get everything working, to get the mirrors on, to get the wheels done, so everything looks a bit more cohesive, right. you know, and just make it look like an upgraded RZ rather than the 
bastard love child of a 2000 superbike and an 80s <laughs> smoker. Well, I found one on a Cycle Trader, an 85 for 89, 8999. Yeah. And it looks pretty clean. It's got uh, sets of fairings, you know, some upgraded exhaust. The only thing odd is uh, tachometer makes noises, so it's disconnected. Yeah. Other than that, it seems sorted out. Yeah, I mean, you know, people ask big money for these. That's way overpriced. Seven is all the money for an RZ. So... Wow. <clears throat> My response to him was, I don't think it's a good investment, but if you want a stupid fun bike, which oh, be it. I believe, like I say, um, everybody needs to make certain mistakes in life and learn on their own. Everyone needs to make the Ducati mistake. If you haven't done it yet, you will eventually, right? Everyone yeah. makes a Ducati mistake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, I say go for it because some of them are good mistakes. They're fun. You may lose money on the deal or you may realize this bike really isn't that much fun to ride around. And my neighbors are really pissed off because it's so fucking loud, you know, and I don't have any old friends with classic bikes to ride with. So it sits in the garage. But it's okay, because some of these are just fun mistakes to make. So I said, go for it. So um, it actually turned out well. So Tom sent me this picture today. Oh, he bought it. Right on. All right. So here's the update. So asking 7000 or trade for an adventure bike. So uh, Tom happened to have a CB500X in his garage because he just bought a new 790 Adventure. And he was going to put it up for sale. And this guy happens to be looking for a mid-sized adventure bike. So they did a straight-up trade. Both parties were happy. Nice. Tom's happy because he doesn't have to deal with selling. Plus, this market is weird right now. We really yeah. don't know what things are worth right now. It's it's crazy um so he got his fun stupid toy this guy got a mid-sized adventure bike that is perfect ready to go everyone's happy and i think uh, emma that comes in line the value of his yeah cb 500x comes in line grand bike um and you know what here's the deal it's um i think he got into it for a great price um Honda 500, that's about a $5,000 bike. He wasn't using it, which right. is great. Um, I, know, yeah. Yeah, I know Tom, podcast guy, and yeah, he was done with that CB. You know, mm -hmm. he, rode the, he rode the piss out of it. He upgraded the KTM, and I've, I've been, he's been sending me notes. He's riding all over the place on that KTM. So now he, he can get rid of that and have a, a great, fun project bike. Well done. Have fun. So yeah, yeah so congratulations, Tom. I think that was a deal that did work out. But I just wanted to use that as an example of some of the flags that I see often in ads. In both of these cases, the deal worked out right because everyone was kind of informed, you know, what they're getting into. And right. and in both cases, the the bike was uh, traded or sold at less than asking price. So it worked out. So um, thank you, Emma, for giving us some of your tips on negotiating. Are there any others yeah. that you wanted to add? Well, like I say, you've got to 
you've got to have an idea in your mind about what your budget should be. And a lot of people, when they're in a buying environment or a selling environment, and all the big auction houses know that, it's very, very easy to get whipped up into a frenzy and just go way over. And it's the same when you're looking at a bike. It's not really a selling environment, but, you know, this is the bike you've been looking for. Oh, God, it's the color I'm looking for. You know, it's it's the... It's, it's perfect. It's the mileage I'm looking for. It's everything. And it's $1,000 more than I can afford. Well, walk away from it because it's $1,000 more. Don't go beyond your budget. Budget. And what your budget that you had in your mind. What I always do is I'll see a bike like this Trident I just bought. And I'll say to myself, this is what the guy's asking. This is what I want to pay. So I always make sure I've got cash. This was the slight difference between the deal with your KTM and me. I always go with cash. Mm -hmm. I mean, the $100 bills speak volumes. But I'll make sure that I split up my price from his price. So I'll give you an example. The Trident, he was asking $2,000 for it, which is cheap enough for a Trident. I know he paid more than that for the paint job on the tank, but that was the price. I didn't want to pay that for it. I wanted to pay $1,500. So what I did was I got a wad of $1,500 in cash, and I put it in my left pocket. And then I put the difference in my right pocket. So... When he said, well, what are you going to offer for the bike? I can just reach into my left pocket and pull out the water cash and say, that is $1,500. And I don't need to count it, and I don't need to pull $500 out of it and say it's five hundred because now he knows you've got $2,000. This is the game. You pull out the $1,500. There you go. I've got this here. Well, there's people coming to look at it. I know that, but I'm here. I'm here now. And I've got the cash. So Well, I couldn't let it go for that. Now you start reaching into the right pocket and you start pulling out the, the hundreds. Right. Will 1,600 buy it? No. Will 1,700 buy it? No. I'll tell you what, I know where this is going. If I pull out another $100 and give you $1,800, which will give me a couple of hundred bucks so that I can buy the wiring loom and buy the parts for the carbs and blah, 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 that'll take the bike. Yes, it'll take the bike. There you go. That's 1800 bucks. Let's load it up, get it out of here. So that's, that's, you know, it's not a mystery, but the thing is you've got to be respectful about it. You've got to be respectful to the buyer as well as yourself. Nobody wants to start a relationship thinking that you're gouging somebody to get your bike. Conversely, you don't want to start the relationship thinking you've overpaid either. Do a little bit of research. But remember, when you're buying from an individual, anything can happen. So I wanted to throw in another thing. So I I went to that situation with a disadvantage. I showed up with a trailer. I think we all know. Yeah. When you show up with a truck or trailer, 
they know you're there to buy. I, I do the same thing. When I see them pull up on the uh, truck, I got the deal. I know I do. How far did you drive, Liza, to get it? Watsonville. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I understand if you're going like 200 miles at Watsonville. At least, yeah, you, no. well, at least he knows that you're serious about buying it. You know? But here's right. the thing. But I knew I was showing up. I knew I was showing up with a trailer that looks like I was at a disadvantage, but I purposely went without any cash. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? It sounds like that's another disadvantage, but it wasn't because that made him realize I wasn't an eager buyer. I didn't go get cash. When he said, you got cash? I said, no, I don't carry that much cash on me. But, you know, I can do an electronic payment, but um, which I did. But uh, that's another just thing. Sometimes there have been times when I went there with a truck or trailer park around the corner. It it gives you a little more negotiation, right, Emma? Right, exactly. There you go. Um, you know, it's it it's tough for me because you know I'll show up to look at a bike, you know, in an El Camino, and up until recently, I'd, he'd had Bozeman Classic Cycle Rescue on the side of it. They know you're going to come home with that bike. It's just you know, um, you just got to make sure that you do the best negotiation possible. Um, yeah, but in this case... There's advantages to it. No, there's advantages to them showing up knowing you're a legit serious buyer. Mm, um, yeah. You've got to remember, when you're scanning Craigslist, 90% of people won't show up. Yeah. And then they won't show up on time. And then they'll show up without money. And then they'll show up and just be crazy bastards. Right. So... And if you see and, and a bike for sale that you want, they won't have a way to get it back themselves. Yeah. Right. So let me tell you, if you see a bike you want to buy and you don't act crazy on the phone and you show up when you say you're going to show up and be respectful, you're light years ahead of 95% of other people, and people are going to treat you better. So, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was a deal that worked out in both cases, so I'm pretty happy with mine. We'll see. I still got to do some modifications to it, but No, I think you, you did great. I really do. I, you know, I'm looking. I'm on eBay right now looking for rz see if i can find some um completed listings let's just have a look well I, emma while yes. you're doing that i'm gonna do something else because guess what what i got a package in the mail mm. and What's it's that? made out it's made out to miss emma and liza at the recycle garage oh cool wow i know should we see should we see what's in it I'd love to see what's in it. Uh, it is from, uh, let's see. So, Luis, Luis, L-U-I-S, Luis. Luis, Luis yes. Luis in uh, Colorado. Okay. Cool. I don't know what's in here, so let me see. I hope it's... It's a stink bomb. <gasps> I hope it's a BDR map. Oh, there's a Ooh. card. Oh, Ooh. Luis, what, what? Oh! <gasps> Oh! What? 
It's a model motorcycle. Oh, uh, yeah. That shit's the dope. Oh, uh, wow. It's a, it's a, what's that, 132nd yes. Ducati. Oh, that's man. A bike too, that's a bike, too, Thanks, dude. And a oh, my God, Louise. This is going up in there. It may say Emma's name on it, but it is going up here in the studio. You don't get to take this one home. And we got a card. You, you may be smiling now, Chris. You didn't bring us any gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <see>. sorry. <laughs> well, that's okay. You'll know next time, darling. <laughs> next time I'll bring oh. chocolate. Out of that now. Oh, that's oh, yes. absolutely perfect. Emma, you're oh, going to like this. Sweet. You're going to like this, Emma. Yes. It's a beautiful thank you card. Oh. And it says, thank you for answering my questions about bearings on your youtube channel stay safe oh yay oh you know what that lewis yeah well i'm cool. you know i'm thrilled um thank you you know for for the next couple of weeks the youtube channel is going to be on hiatus because you're going to be messing around in uh the Breaking Bad RV for a couple of weeks with Jim, <laughs> aren't you? I know, I know. Hey, you've, got, you've got the Heisenberg bike for it now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you. And, and if, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, you know, Emma and I have been doing the Misfits videos, and that was, let's see, we did the tools. Yeah, the last one was, uh, or one of the last ones was on, yeah, bearings. Um, yeah. Everything about bearings. And cool. you know, the funny thing is, I was, when I was talking to Emma about the 690 today, I'm like, hey, take it out for a spin. There's something making ba you know, bad sound in the front end. Might be a bearing. She goes, oh, well, I, ta I taught you how to, we talked all about how to check it. Don't you know? I'm like, yeah, I should pay attention to you That's more. not how I talk. <laughs> blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. 100% how you talk. What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's mostly that, and then like you try to talk normal. <laughs> exactly. I know. Isn't that awesome? Hey, knock. So, knock. Um, yes. Oh, so, sorry, Liza. No, I was going to talk about riding your bike and how I know it's a great bike. It actually rides very, very well, but no bearing noises on it. Sorry. Yeah, no. It was the chain, which I already knew was bad. Um, knock. Big yeah, news. You visit. You visited the garage today, man. I did. I did it by uh, modes of two-wheel transport. I'm back on the yeah. bike, man. He's back. Yeah. It was interesting. Actually, uh, I came. I was coming back from an actual uh, ride ride in the hills. So oh, that was fun. So you're you're back in action. You're doing all the things. I am. I'm also back at work too. Fortunately, and think you know. Okay. or whatever but um what are you eating knock i mean ice cream sorry um <laughs> did you bring enough for everyone no <laughs> of course not what flavor is it <laughs> almond dream cappuccino swirl oh you rubbed bastard <laughs> how dare you eat stuff like that in front of us it's not fair i know it's not the real deal but okay, um very yeah good. No, uh, it was kind of strange getting back on it because, like, um, you know, I, I had to get my, my street eyes and my street brain, you know what right. I mean? Like, I was doing things that I normally wouldn't do in, in high traffic, and I'm, and I'm just trying to be aware aware of uh, what I needed to do. Like, you know, sometimes when you run up to uh, 
an intersection where it just turns green and like nine out of the 10 times, you're usually the first through that intersection. I usually like delay a minute or a few seconds just to make sure that nobody's crossing, you know? And yeah. And this one time I just kind of went through it. Like I wasn't even thinking about it. And I was like, Oh, and immediately realized what happened. I just like, Oh God, that's, I gotta, I gotta fix that again. You know, I was just too excited, I guess, but yeah. And we, we had a little talk about pain management as well, didn't we not? Yeah, we did. I mean, it's like, it's weird now. Like it's, I'm deformed, whatever, but like there's a little base level of pain that I'm having to deal with. Hopefully it'll go away in about a year or so, but yeah. I mean, now there's, there's unmatched, there's probably like muscle tissue that's torn and some nerve damage and then you get picked up who's starting to heal back now. But um, yeah, aside from that, and, and just I, the, I can do this pretty good, you know? Still sucks though. <laughs> yeah, but the healing process of the bone itself can be painful too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the sad reality is that the pain may never go away completely, but yeah. it becomes so small it becomes less a part of your day. Since I wrecked my back, gosh, two years ago now, and then my shoulder when I smashed up the original trident. Mm-hmm. Every day I get pain from those two injuries, but mm-hmm. you just get so damn used to it and yeah. it becomes really quite small. It doesn't bother you as much. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, I'm not a rubbery kid anymore. You know, I'm a 40 year old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> you're a grown ass man. Yeah. I got a question for you. Uh, <laughs> and this is something we've talked about on the on the show before, but for a lot of people, once you've had an accident getting back on the bike, you also have a a mental kind of wall you have to get through. Have you had to deal with that at all? Oh yeah. First thing I did was a wheelie when I got on the bike. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking seriously. Oh no. It was on the the green bike. This is a lot safer to do than on the XR. Oh Jesus Christ. I just did. I pulled like a, you know, like, like a little, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's what it felt like. Okay, cool. That was like, you know, remember that one time we went to go get breakfast and then, um, like, I think it was with Doug. Oh, yeah. And we were by the police station. I, yep. I dumped the wheelie there. Yeah. And, and then, like, after we had breakfast, we did another, I did another wheelie. It was like, it was part of the mental state that I have to, like, I, I just got, I just, it's like the hair of the dog kind of a thing. It's really dumb. But I guess that's how you do it, I guess. I don't, that's how I do it, because I'm an idiot, but whatever. I, I guess You've you. got ice cream. Yeah. We, we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> ice cream helps, I'll tell you what. Got calcium in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. So, so other than that, you're like, are you, are you gun shy at all? Are you, are you holding well, back? Really. Yeah, I'm good. Oh, I'm good. So you're yeah. an, so you're an idiot. Cool. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I never claimed that I wasn't. Sometimes I pretend like I know what I'm talking about, but ha ha. <laughs> back in action. Well, good. No. I'm glad that you are back and you're feeling Thank better. You. And yeah. you're still an idiot. So somehow that makes me feel good because at least you're consistent. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, wait, what am I going to do? Not do wheelies and do silly stuff on motorcycles, man? Come on. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, exactly. Not in public naked well, for, for a while, at, no, for a while at least. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I mean, three months was a while, wasn't it? In recovery, you weren't riding a fucking motorcycle, so you know. I mean, the first time you go out on a bike, you're pulling wheelies. Now, come along now. No, that's all right. I mean, I'm as bad. You know, my last frigging trident tried to kill me, so I got to buy another one. Yeah, well, there you go. See, it's like, you know, it's, like, it's, yeah. it's going to be different this time. It is sure. going to be different this time. This one's not going to kill me. Or try well, to. I'll tell you what. Um, I mean, like, I don't do my dub stuff really What? What the hell is this dub stuff? <laughs> I really have to think about it. Like, you know. Knock, your, your internet's having issues right now. Yeah, my phone's getting warm. Yeah, so. you need to, I think, run it under cold water or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have to go after this, let it cool down, and uh, sign back on. Stick the ice cream on it. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Melt the ice cream. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you're back. Thank and you. it was nice to have you back at the garage day. It was really good to see you. That was a lot more busy than I expected it. Yeah, you, and, can't, you uh, can't keep talking. You sound like a bad robot. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, cool that thing down. Okay. I'll be back in a bit. Okay, cool. Um. While he's gone, I wanted to talk about Southern Utah, right, Jim. Now? Oh, yeah. I turned off the video. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was just uh, Yeah, no, it was cool to see everybody back at the garage, and uh, I got the vibes back again. You know what I mean? It was like, ah, oh, cool, Sunday, hanging out with the crew, even though it was like half as what it would normally be or even a quarter. It was cool just shooting the shit with everybody and just, you know, talking about what's going on. So it was fun. Awesome. Yeah, it was a good day. Um, it's it's kind of like every week we get a few more people coming by, and then we start getting visitors like Jordan and Chris, and it's starting to feel a little mm -hmm. more normal, though we're still being good about following rules and such and uh, still have a lot of, you know, concerns about COVID. But I feel like I think there's a balance. There's a way to do this and be safe. We're yeah, managing. I mean, what's, what's wild about this whole situation is talking about the run of situation is like after 4th of July, it's like a light switch went off and everybody just said, fuck it. We're just doing outdoor things now. You know, it was yeah. really cool. Yeah. And people are getting sick left and right. Oh yeah. I went for a real long ride yesterday. I was going for like eight hours or so. Went all the way down to Big Sur and then back up, back up the mountains up Nascimento. Nice. Nascimento is where you can take the summer ridge, that dirt road, fire road, just some of the most beautiful camping in California. So I went a little bit ways back there with a friend to have a picnic, and I couldn't believe the amount of cars on that summit road off of Nascimento Ferguson. There was yeah. a call every 10 minutes, and I there's days I don't see anybody up there. It was a trip. So, yeah, people are definitely out. Nice. Hey, uh, I got news. What I have got? somebody who reached out to me about my Versus that I listed for sale who wants to come see it. So we'll see. I get to play. Are, the you, are you joining a cult? Are you the, selling all your bikes and joining a cult? The negotiation game. <laughs> no, I'll tell you uh, what's going on with that. So I had another Twisted Road rental um, this oh. past week. And yeah. uh, the bike did great. And actually, cool. this one worked out because um, he had another rental in place. 
that when he arrived, the bike had threads showing on the tire. The oh, owner dear. had not no. really checked the bike. That's not cool. So he, I got a short notification of, hey, we need a bike right now. We're supposed to be going down south and riding. Is yours available? I'm like, it's available. I just had everything serviced on it. It's got new tires. It's got all the things. It's ready to go. Um so he came, picked it up, took off, rode it, had a great time, brought it back. And when I was doing an inspection and just kind of cleaning it, I realized how much rust is on it. And it's the painted metal. So it's the mirror stems. It's the crash bars. It's the front of the frame behind the, the I think, the right. yeah the, the cooler. Um, yeah. It's I'm like, oh, God, this thing went from having a couple spots to like, looking bad yeah everything that gets that sandblasted while you're riding it's it's yeah. a classic coastal california bike yeah yep. so i decided um, oh this is going to get uglier fast so while everything is in pretty decent shape i should sell it to someone and also you know since it's all mechanically sound i have no um no problem selling it to any rider knowing that they're getting a decent, ready-to-go, maintained bike. How many yeah, miles are on that thing? Uh, Spray some bed liner on I it. I think 22. 22? Oh, God, That's yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, for what you're asking, you're not going to get a more capable bike for less money. Yeah. No, and that's why I've kept it around because it kills me that it's not worth that much. I listed it for $2,800, but that's wow. because that's what Versys are. They're going for like at the high end, 35 at the low end, 25, right. like 25 to 35 dealerships are selling them, you know, used for 35, but they got to make a little money on it. So here's what Kawasaki is really good at is they're good at making UJMs and making a lot of them. And that's yeah. why they don't go for very much, you know? Yeah. So it's not worth that much for what you're getting, but I figure too, the bike is sitting here and it's, start, it's just starting to rust away and it'd be much better at that price for somebody who has one bike and they're using it as a daily commuter. Right. And this is a good, good bike for that. I'd rather go it's to just somebody a, who's going to use it. It's a really it. capable bike. I mean, you could, I mean, strictly speaking, I guess you could buy yourself a Jigsaw for that kind of money, but you wouldn't want to ride it any kind of distance. You'd yeah. probably need to do a ton to it. This is a bike, theoretically, you could buy and ride buy and ride across the country. For 2800 bucks. you can't go wrong. Yeah. All right, I have an update to, my, to my Versus deal. Oh. So I thought everything was looking good. We've got a time scheduled uh, this week for him to come, but he just said... Does it come with a helmet? I don't have one. Well, well thankfully, you've uh, got a room full of helmets. Actually, not really. <laughs> I've thrown most of them away because they were all so uh, old. Hmm. Um. Uh, anyway, I'll deal with him. But it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh -oh. That's not so. You don't show up to buy a bike without a helmet because you don't get to test ride it. Yeah. Yeah. And, Anywho. And <laughs> Anywho. Just, just um, bring cash, darling. Yes. Bring, bring cash. Bring plenty. I'll sell you a helmet. <laughs> um, uh, some quick announcements. Um, so you know, I've 
completely run out of the shirts that were part of the Patreon uh, supporters shirts for $5 or more. You get a shirt. Um, I ordered more. So knock, I got some coming in your size. You get, if you can get one, if you want. Yeah. You got uh, the chunky right. boy sizes. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, if you keep packing that ice cream on knock, you're going to need a bigger damn shirt. So I got more shirts coming. So, uh, I will still be, uh, supporting the Patreon if, for $5 or more a month. You will get a free shirt. Or if you want to buy one, they're 20 bucks. Reach out to me, recycle motorcycle garage at gmail.com. And I can, uh, tell you how much shipping would be and send it out so they'll be here in a couple weeks um uh let's see oh jim are you still there he's muted he'll he'll be coming back so jim and i are leaving on our trip in a couple days and um getting so stoked much like jordan and chris who are traveling in a covid safe vehicle where you've got your home in on the truck with your dogs and everything so you can be independent and avoid a lot of these uh these places and you got dirt bikes too you're doing it right you guys yeah that's yes. uh this is week week number six Dang. Uh, we've been, yeah, <laughs> we've awesome. been all over uh eastern oregon southern idaho montana. Uh, montana northern idaho and now california uh, just had some really awesome riding in the sierras uh, checked out Hollister after you guys have talked about it on the show for a while. And it's, uh, it's been great. I've gotten my skills up a lot and, uh, Chris has gotten her skills up a lot too. And yeah. This is my first, I haven't ridden dirt ever. This is like my actual mm. first like moto trip aside from like Jordan leading it. Um, cause we went through Mexico together. Um, and I was passenger through Mexico through mm. the Yucatan. So this is the first time I'm like on a bike riding trails getting my ass kicked um, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. really hard but it's super fucking fun i'm really really stoked about it yeah oh yeah, dude. Excellent. Oh, yeah. and how long are you guys going to be traveling uh we've got about three three weeks left mm-hmm. i start a wow. grad program uh august 3rd so we've got until uh, a little bit before august 3rd and then we'll be settling into Legrand. wow that's pretty cool, cool. y'all's are y'all's are living the dream i tell you yeah, well, we were, we were sizing everything up, and uh, Chris, we were pretty sure, was going to get laid off. And I, I had to quit my job to, to go to school, and we started kind of connecting the dots. I got the truck for a killer deal, and then the camper came along. You know, the camper was free, and oh, wow. uh, did some work yeah. on it and got them ready. And I bought Chris's trail bike just before we left for 200 bucks. <laughs> nice. Sweet. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's been awesome. Bikes didn't haven't missed a beat and you know, we've uh, it's, it's been really fun. We've gotten to ride a lot of different terrain, everything from 8,000 feet under the Tetons to desert riding to woods to it's just been awesome. Yeah. And, the, and I have to say, this is my first, uh, like with that much terrain with the WR and, it just eats everything up. It's such an amazing cross-country machine. Fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I've got to say, you both arrived on it, which is the coolest thing ever, when you have two people on a serious off-road bike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I I couldn't figure out what it was at first. I mean, I knew it was a WR, but I thought, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's got a license plate, but 
God, it looks burly for a 250. Because it, it is. Yeah. It um, is. It's a, it's a big bike. I, I also say, yeah, it's, it's a plated. And, and that's a great amendum to uh, to what we were talking about earlier. I just say, yeah. really, do your homework. Because this bike actually came from California with a plate. But it's it's extremely unusual to find a plated WR450. Right. Um, but, yeah. but if you kind of do your homework about what state's title what and what, you know, because like what Liza was talking about with the titling stuff, you know, a bike in Washington, if you live in Oregon, a bike that has a dirt bike with a plate from Washington or Idaho, those don't transfer over to Oregon. And the, the only way you would know that is is by doing your homework. So, you know, when you go in to buy those kind of bikes, you, you really have to do your homework on that stuff. I right. did. And, and I fought, I fought about nine people. The guy said there were about nine people waiting and I definitely gave him his asking price because it's, it's very hard to find one that's in Oregon. We have ones uh, that are grandfathered in, and this was the last year. So it is wow, really nice. It is, it is the app. I've had XRs, DRs. I've ridden KLRs. I've ridden Kato's, the 450 and the 500. And it is just, the, it's, it's a shame that Yamaha doesn't put out this bike as a dual sport because it is, it's awesome. Other than the gearbox being, a, it's a wide ratio, but it's a little short, so it's a little tough with road work. You have to gear it up. It is just the complete package. It's got power. It's got long-ish maintenance intervals. Uh, valves have not moved at all, and it's just it's just awesome. I've taken it to Baja and on a third, it was about thirteen hundred mile trip, and I've taken it all over Oregon, and and then it does single track the next weekend. So it's just such Hell a cool yeah. bike. Yeah, we need more of those. Yeah, so you guys are doing it right. Jim and I are going to be heading out, and Jim is actually one of the best uh, partners to do a trip like this. He's so meticulous. He's been making all the lists, and he's got bringing all the tools, bringing all the stuff. In fact, when we talk about negotiations, Jim and I already had a negotiation, and I think I got the better part of the deal. I'll tell you what it is. Uh, Jim is going to be cooking all the food. And he says, I eat like shit all the time. And so (laughs) I said, tell you what, I will only eat what you put in front of me. You get to decide what I eat and drink this whole trip. That's a good deal. It's It's a shrimp bonanza and meat on a stick. (laughs) But he's going to do all the cooking. So I'm like, okay. Then I also threw into the negotiation that I get to control the radio and media the whole time. Oh, boy. Mm. But he gets to at any time say, please stop singing. (laughs) (laughs) Smart man. This is is like a you need almost like a a, a platonic prenup kind of a contract. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, me and Jordan have the same agreement. Jordan cooks everything. I eat like a damn queen on this whole trip. (laughs) And. It's it's lovely. And all I have to do is the dishes, and it's great. Awesome. <laughs> I'll do the dishes nice. all day long. Yeah, we've had everything from like lamb steak, <laughs> the shishino peppers. I don't know, yeah, just yeah. shishino mm. peppers. Is yeah, I don't know. Those it's are awesome. Lots of steak. They're so good. Lots of steak. Some like amazing burgers that you've made. Yep. Oh, we had ribs the other night. Yeah. Jordan made ribs. <laughs> Ooh, I like to cook. Yeah, nice. Southern. Yeah, it's it great. So you got the better end of the deal, Liza. Yeah. See, <laughs> and that's not fair, Chris, because you're tiny. And I mean, just listening to that menu, 
I think I put on about five pounds. You know, if I was traveling across country with Jordan, I'd be the size of a house. You wouldn't need an RV because I'd be the RV. How do you do it? One of my favorite moto moto camping tricks is when we uh, roll through a town, you know, everyone kind of like I've ridden with people who bring MREs or they bring, you know, canned food or whatever. And everyone's getting to the campsite eating their cold can of chili and I just pull out a ribeye steak that I bought at the last town and I'm like making it with potatoes and I was like what the hell where'd you get that I was like well you know if you plan ahead you can eat pretty well on the yeah. road you and just- all you gotta do is ride hard to keep yeah. It off. <laughs> yeah, right. gotta- there you go yeah, yeah, work off the calories, so. Work it out. <laughs> yeah, you you know you never have to eat bad on a trip. You just got to get creative. Well, so, so yeah, I'm I, not sure what whether Liza knows what she's in for because she's going on a multi-day trip with a Scotsman. <laughs> so oh. at some stage, you're going to be eating haggis with tatties and peas. <laughs> oh, but I also threw into the negotiation because he said, you know, you can't drink any soda on the trip. I said, okay, but you know, you can't drink any beer on the trip. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all right. Um, He's already moved on to hard liquor. Yeah, I was going to say, he's going to be on the hard stuff. But here's the thing. He's 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 so good. He's like got all the tools, everything we need. He's got all the kitchen, all the food, everything we need. I'm now at the point where I'm walking around like, um... Oh, check. Oh, Rubik's cube. Should I bring the Rubik's? Oh, evil can evil toys. I should bring. Ah, oh, my metal detector. We should bring a metal detector. Like, ah. I'm just like going around. Like, what can? What else do I want to bring? Yeah. Karaoke machine, obviously. Oh, no. Oh, the little one. Good call, not nah. Good yeah. call. <laughs> I always travel with it. I know it. what's good. I know what's good. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're. Where we're, are you leaving? Uh, Sorry, we're leaving, leaving? Uh, Thursday morning. Oh, shit. Okay, so I got to get that stuff from you. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we're getting excited. So um, we decided to take a couple days in southern Utah. And I've mentioned that's where um, where I'm from, where my family is from. And I've spent many summers there with family. And there's a lot of these really cool places out in the desert I've seen from the backseat of a car, you know, with my grandma's car, my parents' car, um, like dinosaur tracks or gooseberry yeah. mesa or just all these really cool things um, that and or uh, there's a ghost town, Grafton ghost town, places I visit. But now that we have dirt bikes, we can leave the trailer at the main highway and go ride in into the desert and go see a lot of these really cool things that are just so cool. I mean, there's the, the formations there and the views and um, I'm so stoked. So we're actually talking about spending a couple days re exploring all these places I've grown up visiting in the backseat of a car, but on dirt bikes. Hey, I've got a question for you, Liza. Mm -hmm. Are you taking um, means of carrying fuel? Are you taking Spare fuel cans. We're taking a spare fuel can, yeah. Okay. But I have my KLR, which can go a long distance. Yeah. You're still going to take the KLR? You're not going to take the new one? Oh, no. I'm not going to take the new one. No, no. Yeah. I think you'd need a new chain and sprocket if you did. And dirt tires and all the things. Yeah, and, and, and. No, no, no. I'm taking the KLR. The KLR works great. will be great for this kind of stuff. Um, But Jim has been getting into it and and going onto the maps and discovering stuff. And I'll show him Grandma's Volcano and Molly's Nipple. It's a thing. (laughs) Look it up. Are you going to hit the Burr Trail? I don't know the Burr Trail. Where's the Burr Trail? Burr Trail is um, like 
30 miles of dirt gravel road with downhill switchbacks and washboard surfaces going down into a canyon. Where? Uh, on your way to Lake Havasu. Oh. Yeah. Is that and it's, Arizona or Nevada? Uh, or is it not in Havasu? Um, Lake, um, Lake Powell. Mm, okay. Yeah. I hadn't looked into that, but I'll tell you another place I'm excited to go to. Oh, yeah? Um, we passed it when I was on the Whirlwur ride. And I had never been there, and I saw it as we went by, but I was leading a large group, and I couldn't stop. But I saw the birthplace of my first cousin three times removed. Oh, really? In wow. Circleville, Utah, mm -hmm. the home of Butch Cassidy. Cool. There you go. So you know, it's... It's funny you should mention that, Eliza, because whenever I'm down in Long mm -hmm. Beach and I'm on the Queen Mary, I always look for my long-lost relatives, but they're never there. You mean the ghosts? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I always, no, I always look for my long-lost relatives, but the um, yes, we always fall short. Um, so there's a, another, one more thing I wanted to talk about, another announcement. Hey, reminder, the Black Hills Moto Film Festival. It's a thing. I we released a new trailer. I've been making these trailers that are teasers with a lot of the films that are uh, going to be featured. We have such an amazing uh, selection across the board. So check out on our Recycle Santa Cruz, uh, the Facebook page. I put out a new uh, trailer. And if you want to get your free tickets, that's right, free tickets, go to revsisters.com, R-E-V-S-I-S-T. T-E-R-S, RevSisters.com. You have to reserve a ticket because we are going to be posting this up on YouTube and we can't just take other people's films and make them free on YouTube. So we can if there is um, kind of a paywall. Even though it's free, you have to be registered to get the, the code to get access. But I wanted to take a second to talk about another one of the films um, that's going to be featured. Remember last week we talked about the Penton story? And uh, I think a couple of weeks before that, we talked about the Rebel Riders, the uh, Indonesian yes. scooter guys. There well, there's another film called Scootistan. Indeed. That features the what? sobbing scooterist himself, Bagel. The Bagel! Uh, yeah! Yes. You made it, son! You made it! Yep, yep. This is the movie that uh, we made on our trip to uh, riding scooters through the north of Pakistan, 2,000 kilometers, in uh, September of 2016. And uh, it was a wonderful time, and uh, I think the film really captures the, the spirit of our trip. And uh, I hope you all get to see it and enjoy it. Yeah, um, it's not it's not a long film. It's one of the shorter films. Uh, yeah, you guys did minutes. yeah, great job. And it's you know the same uh, areas that I go in Pakistan, which is so funny to see some of the scenes. And in the trailer I showed, I yeah. can't believe you guys took all of your scooters into your hotel rooms. And there's a shot of you all riding <laughs> yep. out of your doorways rooms into yep. the hallway and riding out the yep. down the hallway. Yep. That was Moeen's idea. He wanted to, he wanted to throw that into the film, and we loved it. We we totally went with it. It was it was it was brilliant. That was, was uh, the one in Naran, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know the hotel. Yep. Um, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah. And riding then across the marble floors. 
<laughs> and you have like the manager come out like what's going on it looks like, like it looks like a monty python skit or something yeah <laughs> yeah well, you but, know, fun time. Michael, i hope your scooter friends don't find out you've been riding a motorbike oh they'll get it <laughs> but yeah and you well, guys were I hope so. riding these are like 50s like 1950s Vespas, 60s? Right? 60s 60s and 70s yeah. yeah so they these are old and you're riding yeah. through like rivers and stuff we we rode them across the dsi plane <laughs> i know <laughs> with, with baby baby head rocks baby head you know? rocks yes nice and we made it all the way and we're I, not I talking like a short so it's like did you yeah, take no, it I, takes like a full day across oh, yeah. dsi oh, is it? The total, the total full day, and I lost my license plate on that that leg. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, it just disappeared at some point. <laughs> but we made it across. And you get to see the famous story we often t tell about the the concrete truck that broke the bridge. Yes, and was hanging off, but they still had to get across, and they carried the scooters across the bridge with the yep. dangling concrete truck in the water. Yeah, with the help of some locals to you know, help us get across, but we made it. <laughs> yeah so i'm so glad to have you in there um what were some of the other stories i want to get people excited about this film what are some of the other things that are featured in the film let's see um <clears throat> well uh we we rode all the way to the top of the karakoram highway mm -hmm. um to uh, hundra pass which right. is like six, sixteen thousand plus feet and um okay yeah. hold on i have a question because yeah. it's been a while since we talked about this so i forget yes. Did you have to rejet the carbs on those things? Well, I brought jets. Aha! Uh -huh. um, because I knew that we were going up way, way up in the altitudes, and two strokes just do not like altitude changes, and you have to bring extra jets to, to compensate. Well, um, our mechanic, Gudu, when I presented him with the jets, and you know, when I first got there, I said, Hey, look, I brought jets for the altitude. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, No, no, we don't need those. <laughs> but, but, 16,000 feet. How are we going to, how the bike's going to run? It's like, it's okay. <laughs> and I, I don't know how he did it, but somehow he managed to make these bugs run at various altitudes, supposedly without changing jets out. Yeah. I don't know how he did it. They, um, they did the same to me on the bikes both years I've ridden on the Hondas. Yeah. And I'm like, can we rejet? Can we do something? Can I pull the filter? And they're like, no, 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 no. Well, it's fine. Well, a modern bike probably has a uh, has a, a, a carburetor that's able to compensate for no. the altitude. No, you go no. seven miles an hour up that mountain. <laughs> no, wow. I mean, higher you go, there's less air. Right. Yeah. Basically, your bike's running fast. What you have to do is introduce more air into it. So the jets for an yeah. altitude jets are smaller yeah. to compensate. So... If he didn't change jets, you know, the tricks you take is you take the lid off the airbox, you mm -hmm. take the trunk off the airbox, um, stuff like this just to get more air into the engine because there's so much less of it around. Um, you know, I, I, I famously uh, drove a, a big block Suburban over a 12,000-foot pass. And, you know, halfway up, I just chucked the air cleaner away Did completely. you say big blocks of bourbon? Yeah, um, wow. and I got that thing up like twelve thousand feet, and it was like Ugh! it was like running with a choke on. But but Emma, yeah. I thought you were in a gin, not bourbon. Oh yes, suburban. <laughs> oh, oh suburban. I heard big blocks of 
Bourbon. Bourbon. <laughs> oh, it's, I've got to put my speaking teeth in. <laughs> but yeah, you see, so that's probably what he did was just, you know, dicked around with the airbox. Well, that's that's what I, you know, a possibility. But it, it, it he, there, the airboxes were on there, and they're fairly simple in Vespas. You know, the, I don't think. Did he mess with the carburetor at all? I think he did. He probably but I dropped the needle. There's no needle. These are these are slide slide carbs. They're uh, slide uh, downdraft slide carbs. He diddled it like Emma does. Yeah, he diddled it. He diddled it. Well, he definitely did some diddling. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So and and bagel. There was another thing I saw in the movie. There was a moment yeah. where I think somebody said, "I thought these bikes were supposed to be set up and ready to go." <laughs> yeah, Brooke. Uh, Brooke thought that these bikes were were all like factory refurbished i guess and they're like back to 100 percent, you know original no they they were fixed up and they were rideable but there were you know little things okay. that they needed uh the, well, the thing that we found out was when we, we first got there they had just been rebuilt and had not been broken in <laughs> so, <laughs> so we we were breaking them in as we were going on the trip <laughs> these are two strokes did you suffer any seizures, Starling? We we had a couple of 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 just like little soft seizures on the first the very first day when we were riding around in Islamabad where it was pretty hot. Okay, wait. What is a soft seize? So a soft seize is when the the piston starts to to heat up too much and and basically expands so that it sticks inside the bore, but it does it in a way that is is low speed and and relatively low temperature so that it doesn't actually score the the piston or the bore and if you just let it cool down it contracts and you can just kick it on and start riding again uh, it's it's a basically a very minor seize uh, as opposed to a a true heat seize where you're melding dissimilar metals in a very <laughs> yes. very uh close space <laughs> well there you go i Congratulations on making it. And at full disclosure, I did not choose which films made it, oh, but really? Motosexual made it in. Yay! Awesome. I, I can, actually, uh, I'm 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 in two of the films. Oh wow! A brief appearance in two of the films, but no, my partner Michelle, she's the one who uh, chose it. So um, my two partners and I were we each get a turn hosting the film festival that we help each other on but when it's your turn you get to make the decision so for the santa cruz one i was choosing films that i thought fit our you know fit our community here and with the black hills moto film festival she got to choose so it was cool that she chose a uh, scudistan very cool well yeah. very cool many thanks for choosing our film it's much appreciated no problem um so just remember go to revsisters.com and get <laughs> your free tickets. I got uh, time to do some emails. Um, and we got some, cool. some good emails here. Emma, I think you're going to like this one. Oh, really? If I say I'll the name G.G. Wolverines, do you know who I'm talking about? G.G. Wolverines? G.G. Wolverines. No? No. Okay, well, maybe you'll remember. This is Gary. He says, hey, Liza, I just wanted to say thank you for your podcast and videos. I'm an adult onset writer. I've been writing only for about 13 months, but listening to your podcast for about 15. 
I just wanted to let you know that because of all you, because of you all, I am inspired to work on my own motorcycle and I joined the Ask Miss Emma level of Patreon in case I screw something up. Today, (laughs) I successfully changed the oil in my bike for the first time. I know for you all, it's probably a small thing to celebrate, but it is the first thing I've done on my own. I would not have attempted it had I never found your podcast. Thanks for everything you do. I love that email on so many levels. Oh, God, yeah. It's great. That's awesome. I remember, um, you know, my first oil. And uh, as I shared the story of the KZ400 and why I got it when I was riding one when I was 22 and I met a guy who helped me out and showed me how to change oil and to do all the stuff and how much that meant to me and how cool it was to be able to do these things. It set me, you know, up in motion to be able to right do more and to try more and to learn more which ultimately got me here where i am today so congratulations yes i remember when i was an embryo mechanic and we <laughs> had to change the steam you know we had to change the steam <laughs> in the locomobiles <laughs> did you have to stoke the fire yes 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 stoke the fire and then uh, then i graduated to become a zeppelin mechanic <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. So I got another one, and this is another good one. Do you Uh, think Zeppelin's had mechanics? I'm sure they did. Yes, because they were quite high maintenance. No, I wonder if something you went to school. They kept dying from the mercury poisoning, I think. Yeah, probably. I believe they had BMW engines, so of course they did. Yes, BMW Jubos. This one is from Mike from uh, South Carolina. Mikey! Or Southern California. It's SC. I'm going to go with South Carolina. He says, uh, Dear Misfits, I wanted to thank you for the advice you gave me on my motorcycle I emailed uh, about uh, several weeks ago. Just to refresh your memories, I have a CX500 with a valve adjustment screw that vanished down an oil return. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Honestly, the thought... I'll just throw oil in it and write it anyway, cross my mind. But I thought it was too stupid to put it in an email to you, only for Miss Emma to uh, immediately suggest it. Nice to know that I'm at least as dumb as she is. <laughs> Long story short, I've gotten a couple hours of writing in and nothing has detonated so far. The reason it took so damn long was since my local shop was shut when I wrote you. So I ordered from a big dealership online I, and I spent over a month waiting on a new screw and lock nut. I finally right. canceled my order with the online shop and got it through the now open local dealership. Thanks again. I loved all the advice and implemented all of the serious suggestions. The magnet fits rather snugly onto the crankcase since i needed to re-register my bike locally i honestly spent some time trying to figure out how to get a plastic maggot vanity plate but couldn't work out the lettering (laughs) um (laughs) let's see forgot to tell knock to get better he says forgot to tell knock to get better in my original email but now that he's been unfucked so fuck you knock perfect I think that's a that's a good result, Mike. I mean, it's it's you know it adds to the spice of riding. <laughs> that it might detonate any time. Yes. No, I think especially if you've got a magnet underneath, you know that it'll. Um, and one day, you know, in the future, you may be draining <laughs> the oil, and it may just go up and fall out the bottom. 
or it may never appear again. True. And just may maybe... live down in there somewhere. Or maybe. Well, I mean, worst case there. scenario, if it went down an oil return, it might be stuck in there and somewhat constricting the oil flow, though. Right? Uh, oh, you'll well, know that. Well, it had to go through the oil pump first, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's not going to the, you know, to the oil intake, to the pump. Right. That could be bad. All right, I got time for one more, and this one is from Andrew. And Hello, Andrew. He says, new writer here. I've uh, been writing for 10 months. I recently discovered your podcast, and I'm really enjoying listening to you, your take on all sorts of motorcycle history, culture, and skills. You really inspire me. I recently changed my battery. Yes, I know it's easy. <laughs> in my uh, Honda Shadow Ace Deluxe 750, and it felt awesome to do it myself. Thanks so much for all you do. Looking forward to hearing more from you. And my brother lives in Seaside, so maybe I will come out for a visit sometime. Hey, hey. Oh, fantastic. And yes, uh, once again, that is something simple, but, you know, um, it feels so good to be able to do it yourself. Yep. It, feel, it feels good until you break, break a bolt. <laughs> that's right. That's that's probably the next level of mechanic, right? You break a bolt, now you got to deal with that. All right. Well, the good thing with batteries is they usually only have like two, three, four bolts tops. So your chances <laughs> of breaking a bolt are pretty slim there. Yeah, but you can connect them up backwards, and that causes all kinds of mayhem. Yes, you don't want to release the magic smoke. Like, However, I, like I did today. Oh, oh God, you did? Yeah, trying to set your... It's amazing cameras. how much smoke can come out of a little reg wreck. What did you do? <laughs> we don't know. Oh. No, I mean, I've had to show up at work with the reg wrecks on fire. <laughs> um, I, I, I watched this happen from the back, and I was like, wow, they work on motorcycles here, and they do magic tricks. I saw <laughs> behind a big old... Big old cloud of smoke comes up. I was looking for the pigeons above her and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I threw a inside the cage. I know, right? Like, and set it off. Like, oh, someone's messing with Liza right now. But no. Wait, waiting for the genie to appear. No, on the... Um, on Are you the... sure it wasn't those firecrackers you were throwing around? No. Yeah, no, yeah. it was scary, actually. I was scared. I was whacking it with a screwdriver. Um, oh, no. So on the on the KZ four hundred. So here's the issue on the KZ four hundred. It's now the second new battery that I put in. Tested everything. Everything worked good. Horn, turn signals, everything. The next morning, battery is down to zero. Now you know why they sold the bike. <laughs> well, now I know why it was put into storage for so long. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I wasn't sure it was wrong. And Emma said, "Well, it's probably the reg wreck, right?" Right, because it's bleeding down. You see, mm -hmm. what you've got to figure out is what is connected when the ignition switches off. And really, the only thing that's connected on the battery uh, to the battery when the ignition switches off is the charging system. And yeah. so nine times out of ten, it's bleeding down through that. So I went through our box of miscellaneous electrical stuff, and I found some we found something similar Japanese reg rack <laughs> with all the wires coming off. So the good news is the colors of the wires all matched. The bad news is the connectors were different sizes. So I had hmm. to cut the connectors off the old one and solder everything together to get job. the matching connectors. And I went over to the bike, and there's three yellows, a black, and a white. Okay? So I hooked up the black, and then I hooked up the white. And then all hell broke loose. I oh, hadn't even no. gotten white to the yellows wire. yet. And... 
it started sizzling and arcing and smoking and melting. And I knew I had to get it disconnected. So I just picked up a screwdriver and started whacking it. And the wire melted the solder that I just put on and it broke loose. Yeah. Uh, so it stopped then, but uh, I was just like, ah, Yeah, that that sounds like a case where uh, you have two different devices that are speaking with different uh, color languages as far as their wires. Maybe, or we don't know if that was a bad reg rec thrown into the box. It might have been a bad one. Yeah. You know, this is a very, very valid point, and I will be brief because now we're getting short of time. But when we're dealing with bikes like that KZ400 now, these are survivor bikes, and a lot of times they've been put away in a garage for a long, long time. In the KZ's case, nearly 30 years, right, Liza? Yeah, exactly. And we all want to be romantic about it and say, well, the guy got too old to ride it, or, you know, there was this, or is this. But the fact of the matter is, the bike may have broken down 30 years ago, or they figured out what was wrong with it and just didn't want to pay for it and stuck it in the barn. And I have come across this so many times. You pull a bike out of long-term storage, and not only do you have to resurrect it so it can be ridden, now you find out why it went into the damn barn in the first place. And you can't really grumble because there's so few of these things left. The fact of the matter is, if that KZ400 would have had a normal life it would have been in the wrecking yard 30 years ago right so yeah you're right because of that it survived so we need to fix the problem um i've had it even on very very low mileage bikes i famously famously restored um an electric start triumph for the jameson museum really low mileage bike it was i think 2000 miles and I got it running, did all the work on the carburetors, cleaned it up. It looked absolutely beautiful. Took it for a ride. Ten minutes later, it started blowing fuses in a big way. And so I found out why it had got an aftermarket fuse holder on it. Cut a long story short, the main wiring harness was chafing against the battery case. Oof. It was a hell of a thing to find. But yeah. that's why the bike went off the road in the mid-80s, which is why in... 2010, we were able to find an 83 Triumph with only 2,000 miles on it because some clown in the factory, you know, stuffed the harness too close to the battery box. This is the fact of, you know, old bikes. Well, and if you recall, we had a clue in that there was a second um, uh, uh, ground wire yes, put on mm. this bike. <clears throat> so something some, hokey's been going somebody on. Somebody was trying something. Right. Yeah. So um, I'll just have to find another one and, and try again. But uh, find the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Try and find the right one. And this is why I was asking Emma, is it better to find an old original one that may or may not be good or to find something new that I think OEM. Yeah. yeah. OEM, because, you know, if we can find something of a, of a, a similar quality, um, that's that's the way to go. Um, uh, who was that last email from, darling? Who, what was that young man's name? Uh, that one from Andrew. 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 And Andrew has a brother in Seaside? Yes. 
You know what else is in Seaside? Oh, boy, here it's we here. go. There it is. Yes, that's Seaside Superbikes. If you've got a superbike and you live in Seaside, go to Seaside Superbikes. Yes, that's Seaside Superbikes for all your superbike needs in Seaside. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time I do cha-ching, I'm, I'm putting that on the, the tab that you guys are going to yes, for all the free advertising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll well, be no, I work their, there. Yeah. What, about, what more advertising do you need? Exactly. You'll well, be in touch with their VP <laughs> of marketing. So exactly. um, this is going to be my last podcast for a bit because uh, Jim and I will be heading off. Emma, you'll be running everything uh knock you're going to be handling all the logistics on the podcast thank you i um, think so we'll see what happens yeah we'll make it work <laughs> and ho hopefully we'll be able to join you guys from the road and give a report yeah i think at least when we're in uh south dakota we should be able to join in and and give a report on everything there i know jim has this idea of heading off to the mountains and being naked in a river and being a man i don't know uh, how those all <laughs> add up <sighs> But like, okay, fine. Something about I'm going to make fire with a flint and be naked, and I, that makes me a man. You do that, Jim. I support that idea 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it 100%. Every campsite running around is it. everywhere. <laughs> I don't get it. It'll be okay. Yeah. So um looking forward to that. Um and yeah, just getting through getting through and southern Utah. You know, Lisa, I'll try and do a few advanced diagnostics on the K Z while you're away and see if I can, at least I can trace it down. Oh thanks. I left the carburetor off. Yeah, that's fine. Um I opened it up. I didn't see anything unusual in there. Okay. <clears throat> Feel we'll free to play to with it. And yeah, um, we'll get to the bottom of it. Yeah, so I think that's about it. Go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. If you want to find out more about us, find links to any of our old shows. You want to see uh, what Knock looks like before his Rona hair. <laughs> <laughs> He's afraid to go get a haircut. I want to see how long you go. I think I think you're like, fuck it, I'm going for it. Hey, this is the, go the longest, yeah, this is the longest it's ever been since high school. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 letting my hair go too. I ain't going to haircut. Yep. People getting sick. I'm I don't need I don't need a haircut that bad. <laughs> Y'all damn hippies. Well, get get you should get a haircut while you can because I think things are about to be shut down again here. Yeah. 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 I ate out yesterday twice in yep. outdoor restaurants. Both times I felt a little bit like I don't know if this is worth the risk. I don't know. But it was nice. I was out with my parents, and they feel like it is worth the risk, and they were buying, so I went. I <laughs> free food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. I, yeah, I should say free food is worth the risk. <laughs> someone else is buying. Um, but yeah, I think it's all going to get shut down. You know, and and I'm just going to say it once again. Everyone, be safe. Please. Wear a mask. Why not? Stay distanced. Stay distanced. Go ride. Yeah. I'm I'm yep. still on board with just go ride. I know when this all yep. first went down, we were all just like, "What do we do? Do don't move, don't do anything, yep. fuck it, go ride." It's the best yep. therapy, um, and and be safe, and work on your projects, get shit running. Yeah, you yeah, know man. what? And keep the emails coming. I especially love when people share that they just started wrenching. Um, it is so 
cool. And, oh, yeah. you know, keep buying more tools. That's really the secret. It's having better tools, the right tools. That's really right. the most empowering thing. It's the confidence, the knowledge, but the tools are the ones that get you there. Yeah, you get to uh, you get to justify your purchases, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I need a stat ring for this or whatever. I need a new impact gun. Right. Oh, I have something to share with you, Liza. Oh, yeah? You challenged me, I think, about two or three uh, weeks ago, and I have a um, horn coming from a Yugo that is going to go on the trailer. (laughs) 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 Excellent. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So it is going to be the world's only... Triumph Trident with a Suzuki Katana front end and a horn from a Yugo. Can I? Can is I it, throw? Does it honk in Yugoslavian? <laughs> I believe so. I think it's going to sound like a ruptured duck. Um, can I throw out another challenge? Maybe. Uh, to use something, anything from a Mack truck. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> You're hoping she's going to use the bulldog, aren't you? No, it might even be the, a bead from the seat. <laughs> you know, the truck drivers have those beaded seats. I don't know. I mean, I've, there's a lot of stuff in a Mack truck, but a lot of it, too, is about for comfort, long haul stuff. They're yes. built well. Hmm. Yes. And yes, I have a bulldog. I have put one on a bike before. <laughs> and you know what? If you have never actually sat and looked at a Mack bulldog, they are hilarious. That is the wackiest cartoon bulldog. I mean, yes. they look like a bulldog <laughs> on acid. I have one in the kitchen, uh, in fact. But yeah. yeah, they are the funniest thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll I'll take that challenge. Hmm. If you, if you got to put something from the Mack truck, it sounds like a good excuse for a suicide shifter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or um, maybe like a pedal. You know what? You know what, Emma? You know what I have that I don't. Uh-huh. We gotta find a project. This is from the seventies. Um, in like a dune buggy, there were these uh, aftermarket pedals you could buy that are in the shape of a shape foot. Of foot. Yeah. I have one. Gas pedal. I have one. The barefoot yep, gas yeah. pedal. Yep. We gotta find a project for. That. Okay, you've got me thinking. You All could right. turn those into floorboards on like a cruiser or something. Mm. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> all right let's wrap up um thank you everyone for listening yeah, get out of here. uh emma thank you for all your help on the garage and in advance for running everything uh, oh, you're next welcome. Week. uh, uh just- that means everybody has to do exactly what i say are you listening bagel I am gonna be torture hanging on every word i'm just curious bagel she turns to you and says give me 10 what are you giving her um I'll give her five twice. No, you give me a 10 millimeter socket. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> we're we're going to rename Recycle Garage Emma's Reign of Terror. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds like a uh, roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> awesome. We're going to have a good time. Um, you will be missed. Be safe. Keep Jim safe. Um, don't get don't the eat the haggis. <laughs> and uh, check in with us next week when we're doing the podcast um, with Narc. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Like I said, those are my favorite shows, the ones I'm not on. 
<laughs> so I, we're ready to do the uh, sign out. Uh, Jordan, Chris, are you ready for this? You ready? Okay. Yep. When I point to you, you go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Liza. Emma Dolly. Bagel. This is not. <laughs> Perfect timing. One more time. This is not. <laughs> you guys. There you go. All right, let's get out of here. Have safe travels, guys. Up, everybody. We are out of here. Bye, y'all. Cool, cool. Bye. Cool. cool.